0: It's the week of January 6, 2020. This is the Ransomed Heart Podcast, and I'm Alan Arnold. I want to begin by wishing everyone a happy new year. It's wild that we're already in 2020, but we at Ransomed Heart are so excited for everything the new year holds, including John's new book, which comes out in February. It's called Get Your Life Back, Everyday Practices for a World Gone Mad. You'll hear more about that in the weeks to come But if you want to pre-order it and get some free content, some free gifts that you'll really enjoy and can immediately listen to or watch, you can find out more about that by going to JohnEldridge.com. That website will tell you about his new book and how to pre-order it now. The next two weeks, we are going to be talking to you about an intriguing topic called God, Movies, and Your Story. We originally recorded this conversation in 2018. And in this two-part conversation, John and I discuss how films and novels that we love actually reveal central aspects about our hearts, our dreams, and our story with God. So here today is part one of God, Movies, and Your Story. So I recently got an email from somebody who listens to our podcast. His name's Miguel. And John, here's what he said. If I could suggest a theme for a future podcast from the two of you, it would be one to help me get more from the movies and stories that I watch. He talks about how the observations we make oftentimes about shows or movies are really interesting. But if most people are like him, he says, I'm not sure we always have eyes and ears to see and hear what's going on on a deeper level in the movies. And so he wants to know if there's ways that we approach story that might be helpful to him in his walk with God, and as he pursues entertainment, how to navigate that in a way that's of the heart. So that's what we're going to talk about in these podcasts.
1: Thank you, Miguel. Welcome to the Ransom Tart podcast. John and Alan here to say, okay, love to. Game on. <laughs> yeah, what a wonderful email and, and what a fantastic idea. Um, we'd love to do a series here on looking at story and getting things out of story that seem to come pretty instinctively to some people, but maybe not everyone, and seeing the richness in it, the power in it, maybe just some eyes to see all that God is doing through these incredible stories that our world right now is is saturated with.
0: Well, his request is so good because... I think back to when I was a boy, John, I don't know about you, but I would take in story, but I never really considered the worldview of the person telling the story. Right. I, I just loved story, but didn't realize, wait a minute, wh- where's the story taking me and what is it stirring in me? And so it, it's a great question because I think in this series, we're going to touch on some things that will help people not only maybe choose some different stories, but but savor the stories, movies, books, they go to even more.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I think so. I'm excited about it. And just cite another quick story. Last week I got an incredible email from a man who is now a rising um figure in Hollywood. He wanted to tell us his story. And and his story was he was raised in a Christian home where Hollywood was evil and you didn't watch movies, which was frankly the majority of Christian Holmes not that long ago. And he said that he was 18 years old. He was at the crux of making a decision about his future. Um, And he was choosing between going to the Air Force Academy and becoming a fighter pilot Hmm. or dot, 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 going into acting. And no one in his world could even fathom why how's that a contest? How's that even a decision? What are you talking about? And he had picked up Wild at Heart, in which I'm using movies like Gladiator and Braveheart and Henry V and others to talk about the truth of the gospel. And it absolutely blew him away. And it confirmed something so deep in his heart that he felt God was saying. And he went into an acting career and and the stories that he was sharing with us in this email was just incredible, including the number of opportunities he's had to lead people to Christ while working on films. And so, you know, go into all the world and bring the gospel, uh, including the filmmaking world. So, with that setup, gang, we're excited to unpack um, story. And particularly, we'll be looking at films, but this will be applicable across all kinds of disciplines. And as Alan and I were kicking around this, I I thought, well, let me do a little homework. And so I pulled out an old friend, pulled out a book that I have not looked at, I don't know, more than 10 years. Um, It's a little book I wrote called Epic, because I knew that back then I had written about story. And I'm like, you know what, I bet there's probably a couple good quotes in there that'll help get us going. And so if you'll permit me, I think this will set the stage. I think this will really create an orientation and begin to open our thoughts, our minds, our hearts up to this whole topic. So the epigraph that begins, the little quote at the beginning of the whole book is this. G.K. Chesterton said, I had always felt life first as a story, and if there is a story, there is a storyteller. And then the prologue, and allow me to read a few excerpts because this This is going to warm us up here. I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. It's been quite a journey for Frodo and Sam when the little gardener wonders this. Ever since they left home, they've encountered more wonders and more dangers than they could have possibly imagined. The battle on Weathertop, the flight to the ford, the beauty of Rivendell, the dark mines of Moria, where they lost their beloved Gandalf their fellowship has fallen apart, their friends are now far away on another part of the journey. Into the shadow of Mordor they've come, two little hobbits and their cooking gear on a journey to save the world. It's at this point Sam says, I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. Sam could not have asked a better question. He assumes that there is a story There is something larger going on. He also assumes that they've somehow tumbled into it, been swept up into it. What sort of tale have I fallen into is a question that would help us all a great deal if we wondered it for ourselves. It just might be the most important question we ever ask. Life is a story. Life, you'll notice, Is a story. Life doesn't come to us like a math problem. It comes to us the way a story does, scene by scene. You wake up. What will happen next? You don't get to know. You have to enter in. Take the journey as it comes. The sun might be shining. There might be a tornado outside. Your friends might call and invite you to go sailing. You might lose your job. Life unfolds like a drama, doesn't it? Each day has a beginning and an end. There are all sorts of characters, all sorts of settings. A year goes by like a chapter from a novel. Sometimes it seems like a tragedy. Sometimes like a comedy. Most of it feels like a soap opera. But whatever happens, it's story through and through. All of life is a story, Madeleine Langle reminds us. This is helpful to know. When it comes to figuring out this life you're living, you do well to know the rest of the story. Allow me to go on a bit. Story is the language of the heart. After all, what's the world's favorite way to spend a Friday night? With a story, a book, a favorite show, a movie, isn't it? Good grief. You can download all kinds of movies and stories and content. Look at YouTube and its explosion. It goes far deeper than entertainment, by the way. Stories nourish us. Okay, that's so good, I just want to say it again. Stories nourish us. They provide a kind of food that the soul craves. Stories are equipment for living says Hollywood screenwriting teacher, Robert McGee. He believes that we go to the movies because we hope to find in someone else's story something that will help us understand our own. We go, quote, to live in a fictional reality that illuminates our daily reality. In other words, stories shed light on our lives. You see, we might know that life is a journey, but through Frodo's eyes, we see what that journey will require. We might know that courage is a virtue, but having watched Maximus in Gladiator or Joe March in Little Women, we find ourselves longing to be courageous. We learn all of our most important lessons through story, and story deepens all of our most important lessons. As Daniel Taylor has written, Our stories tell us who we are, why we are here, and what we are to do. They give us our best answers to all of life's big questions, and to most of the small ones as well. I expect all of us, at one time or another, in an attempt to understand our lives or discover what we ought to do, have gone to someone else with our stories. This is not merely the province of psychotherapists and priests, but of any good friend. Tell me what happened, tell me your story, and I'll try to help you make some sense of it. You seem stuck, things fall apart. What does it all mean? Should you have chosen a different major after all? Were you meant to take that teaching job? Are you going to find someone to spend your life with and will he or she remain true? What about the kids? Are they headed in the right direction? Did you miss an opportunity in their lives, some key moment along the way? And if crucial moments are about to happen, will you recognize them? Will you miss your cues? We humans share these lingering questions. Who am I, really? Why am I here? Where will I find life? What does God want of me? The answers to these questions seem to come only when we know rest of the story as neo said in the matrix reloaded i just wish i knew what i'm supposed to do if life is a story what's the plot what's your role to play it would be good to know that wouldn't it what is this all about seeing our lives as stories is more than a powerful metaphor wrote taylor it is how experience presents itself to us okay so one more passage Uh, that'll set us up for this. I'm talking about that experience of when you walk into a large mall or museum or amusement park, a university, a hospital, you've all had this experience. You're trying to find out where you're supposed to go, and you typically meet a large map with the famous red star and the encouraging words, you are here. These maps are offered to visitors as ways to orient themselves to their situation, get some perspective. This is the big picture. This is where you are in that picture. Hopefully, you know now where to go. You have your bearings. And oh, that we had something like this for our lives. This is the story in which you have found yourself. Here is how it got started. Here is where it went wrong. Here is what will happen next. Now this, this is the role you've been given. If you wanna fulfill your destiny, this is what you must do. These are your cues. And here is how things are going to turn out in the end. And what I go on to say in in Epic is we can. We can discover the story. Maybe not with perfect clarity, maybe not in the detail that we would like, but in greater clarity than most of us have right now, And that would be worth the price of admission. I mean, to have some clarity would be gold right now, wouldn't it? And then here's the surprising direction I take. I say this. Start with the movies that you love. I'm serious. Think about your favorite movies. Notice that every good story has the same ingredients. Love. Adventure. Danger heroism romance sacrifice the battle of good and evil unlikely heroes insurmountable odds and a little fellowship that in hope beyond hope pulls through in the end am i right think again about your favorite movies sense and sensibility titanic the sound of music Sleepless in Seattle, Gone with the Wind, Braveheart, Gladiator, Rocky, Apollo 13, The Matrix, The Lord of the Rings, the films you love are telling you something very important, something essential about your heart. Most of us haven't stopped to ask ourselves, now why that heart? Why those longings and desires? Might we have been given our longings for love and adventure, for romance and sacrifice as a kind of clue, a treasure map to the meaning of life itself? Next, I want you to notice that all the great stories pretty much follow the same storyline. Things were once good, then something awful happened, and now a great battle must be fought or a journey taken just the right moment, which always feels like the last possible moment, a hero comes and sets things right, and life is found again. It's true of every fairy tale, every myth, every western, every epic, just about every story you can think of, one way or another. Braveheart, Titanic, the Star Wars series, Gladiator, Lord of the Rings, they pretty much all follow the same story line. Have you ever wondered why? Because every story, great and small, shares the same essential structure. Because every story we tell borrows its power from a larger story, a story woven into the fabric of our being. All these stories borrow from the story, from reality. And we hear echo of it and we hear echoes of it through our lives, some secret written on our hearts, a great battle to fight and someone to fight for us, an adventure, something that requires everything we have, something to be shared with those we love and need. There's a story that we just can't seem to escape. Okay, so that from Epic,
0: Love that book.
1: To set the stage for our conversation about looking at story and drawing things out of story that maybe you didn't notice at first. So we're going to get super specific here as we go through this, and we're going to name a bunch of movies and point things out. But Alan, react to that.
0: Well, it just stirs my heart because story is the gateway, I believe, for all of us to to see our lives in a new way To see god in a new way and and it doesn't usually come through teaching as much as story and that's what i love about how god has created the universe this
1: world to work is through story okay people need to know a little bit about your background how many years were you in publishing 20. okay and and of those how many did you spend as the publisher of fiction
0: so the last ten, I started a fiction division. Okay, and ran so that. ten
1: years in yes. in publishing fiction, and in that time, yes. how many books do you think you? Probably six hundred. Okay, six hundred fiction books, and we're not gonna we're not gonna let Alan shake his tail feathers here. But we're talking some of the major Christian fiction authors Alan shepherded, guided, worked with, knows personally, uh, and some of you know my background uh, in theater. Uh, was, you know, absolutely devoted to acting, thought I would do it all my life as a kid, and I was the thespian president <laughs> in high school and, wow. and went on to get my undergraduate degree at Cal Poly in uh, in theater, and I ran a theater company in L.A., a live theater company in L.A. for, gosh, almost uh, 10 years um, with mm. Stacy uh, for a good part of that, and so... Story, theater, film, all of that pretty deep in, in our backgrounds. And what we want to do is try and begin to put some light on this. And, and one of the things I want to point out, you weren't ready for this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What were you looking for when authors came to you and, you know, dear, yes. Lord, <laughs> dear Lord, how many, you know, manuscripts do you get? Oh, of, wow. I've written a story, you know. Right. What were you looking for that makes a great story?
0: That's an awesome question. And it really was came down to one thing. The best stories, John, I found were the stories where the creator was inviting you on a journey. the The worst stories, the ones that were the most clunky, hard to get through, impossible to remember, were the ones that were trying to teach a lesson. And so what we quickly found in this Christian fiction publishing group was – we don't want stories that are trying to teach a lesson. In fact, I would tell the authors, if you want to do that, write nonfiction or become a preacher, but but you're not a storyteller because the best stories are saying, here's a journey and you may not even know where it's going to end as you sit down and write chapter one. Okay.
1: Okay. I, that's just so huge. I have to stop on that because it's going to help you interpret movies, films, music, and frankly, your own stories, friends. Dallas Willard said once that there are certain things in life that can be pushed that cannot be pulled, and certain things in life that can only be pulled and cannot be pushed. And the point that he went on to make is that the gospel is something that can't be pushed on someone. It can only be pulled. You invite Yes you, you draw out, you intrigue, you you alarm, sure, you disrupt, but it's an effort to pull the heart into an engagement with God and, and the gospel and the story that he's telling. And you're talking exactly about that. A story that's a journey, a story that's a quest pulls
0: exactly. It's
1: inviting.
0: And this was the second thing it defies, sometimes labels. And so although I started with the thought, we're at a Christian publishing house, the largest Christian publishing house in the world at that time, so of course we're going to do Christian fiction. Well, John, what I quickly realized is actually we don't want to do Christian fiction. We want to do fiction told from a worldview that embraces God and truth. And that was so freeing because then no matter how the reader or maybe the bookstore categorized it, I knew with the storytellers, you're not trying to teach a lesson, so there's not certain words you can't say. There's not certain things you have to do. At the end, nobody has to be saved. It's, it's not a formulaic read, and that's why so many great stories don't necessarily come from with a label of Christian on them.
1: Okay, and then again, I'm going to interrupt you because you're getting me so excited. So you understand, folks, that C.S. Lewis, when he wrote The Chronicles of Narnia, did not set out to write a Christian allegory. John Bunyan did when he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. It's very, very strongly allegorical, almost to the point that some people can't bear reading it. I happen to like Pilgrim's Progress, but it's nothing on a literary (laughs) experience like the horse and his boy, or the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, or the last battle. Okay, so it's really important for you to know that if you find a story that works, it works because there's just reality, folks. There is a story woven into the fabric of human existence. And the films that, quote, work, the films that grab your heart, the films that take you somewhere good and not harmful, and we'll get into that, but work, not because they're heavy-handed teaching devices, but because the story itself is in harmony with the way that reality is structured, right? right? Right. Ultimately, the story that God's telling, and we'll get into that too, but... Okay, couple, couple more things about the power of story. You can convey certain things with facts, with information. I could tell you that Stacy is my wife. I could tell you that sometimes she's very dear, that she has a a really beautiful heart for her grandchildren. Okay. Those are facts and those are true, but they're not nearly as helpful is if I told you that during a meeting today, I get a phone call from Stacy and, and I'm a little concerned because she doesn't often call me during meetings. And so I answer my phone and I'm like, honey, what's up? And she says, Oh, I just have to tell you she had picked up one of our granddaughters and was caring for her today. And she was driving home with her and she says, She's making the cutest noises in the back seat. She's going <laughs> and dad, that, dad, that, dad, 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 dad da, and okay. That, it's a little story, but it tells you something like so much more about personality, right? Right. Okay, so facts and, and just blatant, obvious lesson teaching is not nearly as powerful as stories are. That's why the scriptures are written in the form of stories.
0: You know, a lot of times storytellers, authors, will say, right, you know, that's what Jesus did because he told parables. And that's true. But I always go back further and deeper to, but look at God in Genesis 1, how he defines himself as creator. And so he's not just telling a parable, he's actually creating worlds with his words and bringing things into existence. And he doesn't label the animals Christian animals or the ocean a Christian ocean. You know, he creates in trueness and in his personality. If you're drawn to something true, then you're drawn to something about God. There's something of God in it.
1: Right. It will eventually tell you things about human nature. Yes. It will tell you things about courage, sacrifice. If it is a good story, it will tell you about life, and it will tell you about God and his kingdom. If it's true to what we would sort of call reality, so one more thing before we kind of get into unpacking stories. This is all by way of prologue. If you can embrace and understand this, you'll really benefit more from the movies that you watch. And again, we're not even saying you should go into every theater experience or the musical or the novel that you're reading going, okay, what's the lesson God has for me? I, I, we're not even saying that. No. But one last note, do not be a literalist. I just have to say that as clearly as I can, because the literalist is going to kill things with their attempt to dissect them. So Aslan's not like Jesus, because Aslan is a talking lion. (laughs) <laughs> and, and you go, well, okay, look, right, Jesus is not a lion. He is called the Lion of Judah, but when you meet him, you will actually meet a man. He, he's a man. He is the Son of God. Okay, right. I got it. He doesn't have fur and four paws. But who has not fallen in love with the Aslan figure in the Narnia stories? And so, if you're going to insist on literalism, you're going to miss so oh,
0: John, do you remember the letter C.S. Lewis got from a boy who was so upset because he wrote C.S. Lewis and basically said, I'm falling more in love with Aslan than I am Jesus, and I'm concerned.
1: Oh, it's beautiful. Lewis's answer says, oh, everything you love about Aslan is Jesus. Yeah, he handled that so well. But just for example, folks, The Literalist. So one of the films that we think is a very good depiction of the current spiritual climate of the earth is the matrix. And particularly the first in the trilogy, I think the trilogy kind of collapsed on itself as it went on, but the first one, you have a group of people, an entire world that is um, trapped by a dark power that desires their demise and and basically controls the world through deception now that sounds like first john five now the whole world lies under mm-hmm. the power of the mm-hmm. evil one but if you go oh well come on it's not like they live inside computer programs and they're actually <laughs> you know encased in yeah. these bubbles and they're you know getting the power of a battery from them and uh, like you can't go right literal it, it, it's allegorical, it's, it's symbolism, it's imagery, it's the evocative. And you just take something as absolutely simple and profound as the battle of good and evil. And if that is truly told in any film, it is going to resonate with your heart and soul. You're going to see the struggle. There it is, and there's a powerful depiction. And so in The Matrix, you have this small group of people, you know, a little fellowship, desperately trying to set the world free by breaking the powers of darkness. And to be honest, that is a very good picture of the church and the situation we are in, and very dark, very dangerous, very hopeful, valiant,
0: courageous. And one of the key parts of that movie is Neo has to discover his identity. As we do, in order to step into the story.
1: Yes. So you have these sweeping themes, and and we'll name some now, and then we'll we'll pick it up uh, next time as well. But like as you're as you're watching film, or as you're reading literature, as you're as you're engaging myth, poetry, fairy tales, children's stories. For heaven's sakes. So yes, when I'm sitting in a movie, of course there are themes that I've become accustomed to and things that because of my worldview, I'm resonating with creation, fall, redemption, hope. Like that's the structure of the gospel story. You might call it creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. You have a time when everything was good and then something goes wrong. Now, some stories that is part of the storyline. And so like in Apollo 13, you have this, wonderful team of astronauts and they're headed off on this lunar mission and everything looks good until houston we have a problem and the dramatic tension of the story is introduced in the actual movie itself so you get the fall of man you get the crisis right in other stories you pick it up once that's already happened you know so like in Braveheart you enter into a story where Longshanks is already tyrannizing Scotland the people are already oppressed you know Prince of Egypt right You right, right. pick up the story in the you know where the people of Israel are already in captivity so the fall has happened and the majority of the storyline then are the other two pieces rescue and Redemption some kind of rescue and, and a battle has to be fought or a journey taken or a mystery solved or love has to prove true in order for the rescue to take place. And, and also, particularly around rescue, the cost of it and then some kind of restoration something coming so for example at the end of lord of the rings you see gondor restored and the camera Mm -hmm. zooms in on the wedding of aragorn and arwen and it's like that's the wedding of the lamb folks like (laughs) that book three of the trilogy is literally called the return of the king (laughs) okay and again tolkien was not trying to write a allegory but he was just Writing a great story and great stories are going to have these ingredients in them.
0: Yes. This is probably a good pause point, as much as I don't want to pause right now for a week. But what we want to do when we come back, John, is really talk to people about how do you look at the things you choose to pursue as entertainment and and what draws you in on a deeper level, on a heart level whether that's movies or or books, novels, songs, what is it about them that you can actually not just enjoy, but learn more of who you are and who God is? And I think that's going to be a really fascinating topic because if you're a parent, what are you inviting your kids into in terms of entertainment and in terms of story? Because boy, at a young age, story resonates far more than lessons. Oh, they get
1: it. Right. They get it. Kids get it. And so many children's stories, a number of the Disney movies for kids are practically a recitation of the gospel for those who have eyes to see. Okay, hate to pause. I got so many things I want to say, but we'll be back with you next time. You've been listening to the Ransom Tar Podcast with John Eldridge and Alan Arnold.